Hello everyone. Welcome to Risk Roundup. The blockchain promise is getting visible and clear. It has raised expectations from everyone. This technology is not only making waves as cryptocurrency, but its applications are expected to have a huge impact for individuals and entities across nations, its government, industries, organizations, and academia, in short referred to as NGIOA. The rules for competition and collaboration are being rewritten as the blockchain-driven transformation blurs the boundaries between cyberspace, geospace, and space, in short referred to as CGS. Now, with the tumbling of boundaries, the promise and potential of blockchain technology seems to have energized everyone. It is important to evaluate the impact brought on due to blockchain-driven technology transformation and the tumbling boundaries. To discuss how blockchain applications are shaping the emerging economies, I'm delighted to welcome Lorian Gemerov to Risk Roundup. Lorian is the CEO of Bankamoon and is based in South Africa. Welcome, Lorian. We are delighted to have you on Risk Roundup. Thank you very much for having me. Wonderful, Lorian. So across nations, we are witnessing the beginning of conversions of so many different technologies, processes, data, and assets across an integrated CGS ecosystem, that means cyber, cyberspace, geospace, and space. Now, as Internet of Things, blockchain, artificial intelligence, robotics, biometrics, and all of the technologies merge and converge, it seems clear that digitization has moved far beyond machine-to-machine -machine process automation and has become a driving force of digital global age. What is the state of digital transformation in emerging economies from your perspective? Yes, so that, that's correct. Uh, uh, if we think about Mark Andreessen's quote that software is eating the world, um, this drive to digitization is uh, definitely a force that uh, um, you know is, is shaping society and culture. And um, it's uh, it feels that now that we have the internet, it's almost you know you could imagine that everything that has been invented, or that can be invented, has been invented. But we know how you know history always shows us that uh, we, we we cannot imagine how things will develop. And um, of course, uh, in all those uh, areas and industries that you mentioned, uh, there still seems to be a never-ending drive to uh, progress uh, uh, in, in ways that we can't imagine. So it's very exciting, um, and especially when it comes to emerging economies, because um, as I'm sure you are aware, uh, there are many problems to be solved still in the world in spite of all our progress. And um, uh, technology is, uh, although not the only solution, it certainly can bring, um, you know, uh, uh, problem solving and uh, uh, benefits to the people that uh, live in on, on, in those kinds of economies. So it's very exciting. It's uh, it's nice also to be in a space that is evolving and changing uh, below our feet. Um, I think uh, if you come from a, a financial services background like I do, it feels that uh, innovation has been fairly stagnant over the last few years. Um, a lot of the systems that are driving the financial system, a lot of technology that exists in the banking system has been around for sometimes decades. And uh, we see now in the area that I'm involved with, with blockchain and Bitcoin, that um, there's uh, finally uh, something, a breath of fresh air that uh, might be able to transform that, uh, make things more efficient and bring real value to people that uh, work within those economies. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And like you said, there are so many problems that needs to be solved. And if we talk about financial industry, there it was resistant to disruption for almost like 150 years. But now with this blockchain, it is no longer and it is going through fundamental transformation as we speak. Now, from being a barricade against socioeconomic instability to providing protection from digital crimes, blockchain has the potential to supply nations a very trustable digital infrastructure for a fair and balanced economic ecosystem that is based on shared information and distributed trust that is transparent and trackable. So how are decision makers responding to the blockchain potential in the emerging economies? Well, uh, a lot of those decision makers uh, are entrenched in, in the systems that exist, the incumbent uh, organizations. And um, obviously, when it comes to technology, if uh, there's uh, such an idea that, that uh, the technology itself could disrupt the way they do business, and in fact, uh, displace them, uh, make them less valuable, then um, there will be uh, some kind of resistance towards that. And blockchain has, has um, had that promise, although the organizations now uh, have, have uh, approached this uh, from the point of view that it's a technology that can be co-opted and uh, brought, to, brought to bear within the organization and could perhaps um, at the very most make the existing business models more efficient and um, cheaper and that sort of thing. But I think they don't realize that uh, technology like blockchain isn't built and created to just make existing business models more efficient. It's, it is, in fact, a, a disrupting uh, a technology, something that makes what those incumbent, uh, those people that work in those incumbent organizations, it makes them irrelevant and unnecessary. So the the trend at this stage is to try and see if blockchain can be brought to into with the organization and the people uh, that work within those organizations can um, accommodate it and it can provide some sort of value for them but uh, the reality is that it is a disrupting force and uh, much of the work that is being done in the space right now is going to be proven to be um uh, it, w it will won't bear fruit uh, uh, and so that's why I, my, my focus now has shifted from trying to enable organizations with blockchain to the actual original use that blockchain provided us, which was for a decentralized currency. And as soon as you, you, you say something like that, what you are in fact saying is that you can now envision a world where much of how the system works and the people that work within that system will become irrelevant. In the same way that robotics now is is uh, making some of the more menial tasks, the repetitive tasks, people that work in those uh, with those tasks uh, redundant. So it's a, it's a frightening prospect if you go there, but right now those people that work in those organizations don't want to consider that at all. In fact, they've shoved it to one side and, and um, they're trying to focus now on, on blockchain. But I think that's misguided and um, it remains to be seen if blockchain will prove to, to be able to support them rather than uh, undermine them. Yes, very true, very true. And the, the question is not, like you said, it is a disruptive force. And the question is not whether the digital disruption that we are witnessing today will transform industries and economies, but rather how they will do that. So from your assessment, where will the emerging economies would have the most success? Well, uh, I, I think they'll have success if they, if they don't try and uh, copy uh, the developed economies and the systems that the developed economies have been working with for decades. I think it's, it's important for them to have a fresh look at things, 
to uh, evaluate uh, what the what technology exists today and um, instead of just trying to uh, uh, this is the benefit of being in an emerging economy is that you have the ability to leapfrog because you don't have a lot of legacy uh, systems um, and to try and reinvent or, or reimagine the way uh, things are now that is a frightening prospect because at the end of the day the state itself ex uh, depends on this the system that uh, we have and so um, they are not going to uh, happily go into that realm where they, they, that they adopt a technology that essentially undermines their power. I mean, if we're thinking about a financial system itself, that is the basis for uh, the government's power uh, to be able to control the financial system. Uh, so even though uh, um, the technology promises to bring financial inclusion and uh, uh, access to, uh, to uh, financial services that are not available uh, to people in, in emerging economies, from a state point of view and from the regulators' point of view who work when, and are, uh, work on behalf of the state, they, there's going to be a conflict. But I, I think, and I can see it happening in my own country and uh, countries around me like Zimbabwe and Mozambique, that uh, it's not going to be a, a something that the state dictates or, or uh, that the incumbents dictate. I think there's going to be a, a, a kind of groundswell, um, a people's movement, where they just adopt uh, this type of technology because there is no barrier to entry apart from access to, to um, uh, in the internet, essentially. And uh, what we're going to see is a, a, a movement where uh, people will slowly start adopting it in spite of the state. And uh, I see further down the line that this type of technology has the potential to 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 recreate society, uh, uh, and specifically in terms of, of uh, governance. Because if uh, you cannot tax people, then you cannot have a, a government. You cannot have an establishment like that. And I, I don't think that's such a bad thing, to be honest. Um, you know, we see how uh, uh, over the years, and I, it's not that I'm an anarchist or uh, I am a libertarian, though, and I do think that uh, government has become overbearing in many countries. Um, and in fact, many, many of the policies that they, uh, that they oversee and they enforce have very negative effects on, on, uh, on the population and on society. Um, if we just think about uh, monetary policy, for example, uh, we see how there are crazy things like negative interest rates uh, happening in parts of the world. We see inflation happening. Um, we see the war on cash. And uh, uh, those are, are desperate measures by the states who have misgoverned uh, the monetary policy and now are, are, are paying for that. And, and um, they, they, I think they find that it's becoming unstable. And so people are being driven out of that system into any sort of alternative. And um, uh, traditionally it was gold and silver, but now for the first time, if we think in terms of Bitcoin as a technology, now we have a digital version of that. And we certainly live in a digital world. And um, it just seems that, you know, it's not so much that Bitcoin is a superior technology, but it's people are being driven into it because of, of uh, mismanagement of economies. So I don't think it's going to be something that uh, comes down from, from, the, from the top. I think that uh, the technology that exists is, uh, uh, in, in all spheres, in fact, will, will enable people in ways that they can you know, reimagine society in spite of, of the, this overbearing uh, government system. So I know that sounds very libertarian, um, but it's it's just it's just a, if you just look at the world for, through unbiased eyes, 
you see there's a lot of trouble um, and uh, we see solutions coming in terms of technology and uh, it's, it, it certainly is interesting you know from a from that sort of uh, point of view yes it is absolutely absolutely very interesting and it's so almost like a people's movement that is enabled driven by the technology so it's a very fascinating time and there are so many possibilities so many opportunities that now if you look at the economic system blockchain technology has the potential to transform the monetary economic economic system at all levels the financial economic system local national global and perhaps the most encouraging benefit of blockchain technology is the incentive it brings it creates for participation or participants to work honestly where rules apply equally to all and like you were just saying that you know there are so many imbalances in so many uh, nations across so many nations and uh, uh, regulations and rules are uh, you know different for different people so this is very complex and this technology it gives us a hope that you know rules apply, apply equally to everyone so how is how are the decision makers especially in the governments receiving these you know potential and possibility of what blockchain would mean to their current power structure well, uh, there's definitely two aspects to uh, this this technology. We have blockchain, which is a, is a at the end of the day, it is a technology and it is neutral. Um, uh, regulators and the government will look at it and they'll say, it's not our job to regulate technology, but we'll regulate the businesses that are using that technology. Now, completely on the other side is Bitcoin. Those are two totally different things. Bitcoin represents a, 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 a version of money that is not cannot be controlled or governed by um, a central bank or a government, and so uh, blockchain. You know, governments and central banks right now they're they're looking at at it, they're investigating it, and they're quite happy for innovation to proceed. But um, it, when it comes to Bitcoin, that is now that very strange thing that they all have this this feeling. Um, although it's very small at the moment, and uh, very few people transact with Bitcoin, there's no, it, there is no uh, truth to the fact that, um, or truth to the, the, the that, that there are money launderers using it and drug dealers and that sort of thing and terrorists. It's a very small market cap, and very few people are using it. But uh, those, those uh, insightful and enlightened regulators, like the central banks that I work with right now, they know that they cannot stop it, and um, at this stage. You know, for them to understand that it is a form of money, it's a very difficult thing for, in fact, many people to to uh, understand. If uh, if you look at it, and uh, most people will say, you know, what's it backed by? Um, how can it be money? Uh, and so there's this this mind kind of stretch that they have to make to 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 accept that they, they, that this is a new form of money um, that is in fact not very different from the gold standard if we think about gold uh, Bitcoin and gold are, are very closely uh, they're very similar uh, uh, they have the same properties uh, they are uh, Bitcoin is limited in the same way gold is limited and uh, it works as a great medium of exchange and it's uh, fungible and durable all those sorts of things but regulators at this stage uh, can't accept that this is a form of money so they, they're looking at it from a kind of a viewpoint that they'll keep an eye on it, but at this stage, it's not—it's not—it's not, it's not, it's not a, a thing that they should worry about. But um, what they are doing now is they—and uh, uh, the ones that I have worked with, and I know some other central banks around the world—they are admitting and accepting that this is something that cannot be stopped. But at least what they can do 
is maybe try and regulate the companies that are engaging in Bitcoin activities. So my company is allowing uh, people to uh, buy Bitcoin and uh, use Bitcoin to pay for things at retailers, to remit uh, Bitcoin to mobile money. So they can come and see at least what I'm doing. They can say, right, do you know who your customers are? Um, we want to now keep track of you. So if they pursue that, then at least they'll have some measure of control. Um, but they are beginning to realize in the same way that the music industry and the movie industry cannot stop BitTorrent, they cannot stop file sharing, you cannot stop something like Bitcoin. Um, and uh, 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 I think that, that as time goes on and as, as Bitcoin gains credibility, uh, we see that there's an ETF that's about to be either uh, um, allowed to proceed or not in, in, in America. Um, as it gains legitimacy and as people start becoming more familiar with this concept of, of Bitcoin as a store of value, then regulators will start uh, thinking about policies um, that they can at least uh, try and regulate the businesses that are engaging in it. So in my experience with regulators, they are not against it, uh, especially our regulators here in South Africa. They're uh, actually uh, engaging us and we're engaging them. Uh, and in fact, we they, they depend on us so they can, uh, you know, at the moment it's all theory, but they like businesses, uh, especially like mine, that are trying to push the boundaries and trying to, uh, you know, bring uh, Bitcoin into the mainstream because then they can, instead of theorizing about it, they can sink their teeth into it and they can, and they can watch to see how it develops. And if there are any red flags that get raised, they can uh, move in right away. So in terms of South Africa, in terms of Zimbabwe even, and sub-Saharan Africa, which is what I know about, um, regulators are, are, are they're interested, you know, they, they, they can see something is happening, but at this stage, um, they, there's no negativity. They're happy to let things evolve. And also remember, they're not anti-competitive or, or uh, anti-technology. If, if this is a technology that can bring value to people, um, they're quite happy to entertain it. They, they're not trying to protect the banking system by any means. So um, as long as they, uh, that uh, uh, the laws are abided by, money laundering and exchange controls can be, can be uh, uh, monitored, they are quite willing to allow something like this to exist. So I'm very pleased to report that that is the case. That that's really good. That's very hopeful, and it seems like more than a billion dollar in venture funding has gone so far into Bitcoin, uh, virtual currencies like Bitcoin. As if you talk about Africa and applications that harness virtual currencies and distributed ledgers, uh, they are in early stage of development. I'm sure you know the Bitpesa for uh, that company that uh, allows people in the UK to send money to East Africa using bitcoin so there are a lot of developments happening and especially when we talk about africa in so many places uh, the banks are not even there so for these technologies to be able to provide the service that the people need to be able to transfer money or to you know uh, do any kind of trade it is very useful and uh, it seems that banks are especially facing challenges in africa why is that so that a lot of banks you don't see them uh, you know they are trying to pull out of you know several different uh, locations in africa what is the reason behind that well, uh, there, there's a number of reasons for that. Uh, uh, very often, uh, it's not just about uh, uh, the, the regulations in those countries. Many times, it's just the market itself. Uh, it's it's not profitable for a bank to try and move into, you know, especially the rural areas or some communities, uh, because you know they, they just it wouldn't justify the expense to set up branches or um, provide uh, ATMs or, or that sort of thing. Um, 
And uh, uh, another thing is that uh, people don't really trust banks. Uh, you know, they, they're not, first of all, uh, uh, many of them find it uh, complicated and, and difficult to, to understand banking itself, you know, uh, having cards and, and that. So there, there is a, 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 one of, that is a reason uh, that, um, you know, a lot of people just aren't, uh, you know, uh, able to use those sorts of services. But um, they they don't trust it, or maybe they don't have the minimum requirements to open a bank account. You know, they they don't want to pay the fees. Um, so there, there's a whole bunch of reasons that uh, in Africa, eighty percent are, are unbanked, and uh, they never will be. Um, but um, and so the banking system itself, being so uh, inefficient and so expensive, they just cannot uh, find those those markets and and turn them into into something profitable and that's why we see fintech uh, coming along because now these small startups are able to focus on the on uh, those types of markets and provide uh, simple services that uh, uh, those people can can access but um, again it's it's a uh, you know uh, it's not that uh, digital uh, is is never going to, you know, digital is is definitely something that uh, africa uh, can use and a lot of people have access to mobile phones but um, it's just, uh, again, it's about uh, trust in the system um, uh, and convenience. Uh, there's no um, a cheap mechanism for them to be able to access a, a some sort of financial service. And uh, bank, banks will never be able to access that. But that does open up the door for fintechs uh, like mine to, to try and move in there. And um, uh, when it comes to uh, one of the most important things is remittance. You know, it's uh, in Africa, the most expensive corridors on earth are on, through Africa. If you want to send money from South Africa to Zimbabwe, which are two countries right next door to each other, the, uh, people will pay up to 20% just to do that. And it's very low amounts that are moved. And uh, 20% uh, is, uh, is, 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 is quite difficult to bear for many of those people. So um, when we look at uh, Bitcoin and uh, companies like BitPesa, companies like mine, we can serve a very real need of, uh, for people to be able to uh, move money easily and uh, across across borders, um, and that's something that uh, uh, the, the existing system cannot cannot provide and uh, won't want to either. Like I said, because of the the, the fact that it doesn't seem to be a profitable market, although there's a lot of money that moves across. Yes. Um, so you see that that's why uh, uh, something like uh, Bitcoin, in my mind, is uh, uh, you know a lot of people say that blockchain is a solution looking for a problem, and I agree. Uh, a lot of that money that you said, a billion dollars, has hasn't gone into Bitcoin or cryptocurrency companies. It's gone into people trying to figure out how to use blockchain in other industries. So some of the ideas are for trade finance or for um, uh, title deeds or um, uh, even identity. Um, but I think that a lot of those companies um, won't won't be able to be successful because blockchain is just doesn't work very well in those ways. So the one thing that I think that uh, blockchain can clearly add value is as a currency, um, and especially because if you think about uh, a Bitcoin, it's it's not governed by a central bank, and uh, Africans have learned how to not have faith in their central bank. They know that money that they have that's governed by a central bank will lose value. Um, it, uh, it, it's, it's just something that, they, that they, they're not interested in. Uh, if you're in Zimbabwe and you talk to people about Bitcoin, they immediately get it. They say, oh, here we have a, a currency that's limited supply and nobody governs it, and which means that uh, they cannot destroy the value of it. So uh, you're going to start seeing, and I know that uh, people say that uh, growth is going to happen in Africa, but it's true. Uh, it's, uh, uh, this is where uh, 
the uh, people here want something like Bitcoin. They need something like Bitcoin. And if you are a business involved with, with trying to add value around that, trying to make it easy for people to, to use it, you're going to see that this is going to be where uh, um, the, the most impact can happen from a technology like this. Now, that being said, we're talking about payments. Now, uh, a lot of people have said, and, and, and uh, organizations like the World Economic Forum and Goldman Sachs, they've all said that blockchain is going to change everything. But it's not actually blockchain that's going to change everything. It's the fact that you can now, using a currency like Bitcoin, make a peer-to-peer micropayment to somebody. Now, if you think about the world and, and uh, companies that exist, like look at Uber. Uber is touted as being extremely uh, innovative and, and all that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, Uber is just a payment hub, a, a glorified payment hub. Sure, they have a, 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 a mobile app, but uh, you, know, you can create a mobile app. What Uber's value is is being able to make sure that drivers can get paid safely and securely by the passengers. Now, if you could pay your driver directly, First of all, you could bring the cost down 20% because that's what Uber is now uh, taking off the driver. And also, you don't need a company like Uber. Uh, if I can pay for things directly, I don't need a lot of the companies that exist today which are there to facilitate payments between the service providers or the uh, people who are selling things and the payers. So I think that it's going to be uh, currencies like Bitcoin that are going to change everything. I think you're going to see uh, business models from uh, uh, hosting providers like, let's say, Google Drive or Dropbox uh, um, or uh, even Amazon and, and eBay, uh, those kinds of businesses are going to be completely disrupted by the fact that now people can make peer-to-peer uh, -peer payments. So, it's you know, we talked about, uh, when you started off, we, we talked about all the innovation that's happening that's, uh, you know, that uh, will transform society. But I think uh, Bitcoin itself is going to have the most impact and also in, in, a, in the short term, where business models that we think, you know, companies that we think are here to stay, giant companies like Google, like Amazon, uh, like uh, eBay, um, Uber, even uh, companies like uh, Facebook, you know, uh, will be uh, disintermediated and disrupted by the fact that now you can make peer-to-peer -peer, uh, payments to, to people. That is a, 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 an incredibly disruptive force that's going to have a huge impact on the world. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. It is going to have a huge impact. And it's not just the Bitcoin, the blockchain-based Bitcoin is going to have huge impact. The non-financial areas also is tremendous potential. Now, in I was reading that in Egypt, 90% of people, they have homes and land and all farms and everything, but they don't have any, you know, document to prove the ownership of that. And without ownership of the property, it's almost impossible for them to start a business or get a loan or uh, to get integrated into the you know global economic system. So it, it it seems that the blockchain can change that. It provides a lot of potential, and in the in developed markets like in U.S. and Europe and everywhere, proving ownership of land is so easy because we all have titles. And but in developing markets, and I'm sure you know in so many uh, countries. Uh, in the emerging economies, this is a big challenge. So do you see any innovations happening in Africa or any applications developing that can change this? Yes, well, there's, uh, there are uh, companies that are building proofs of concept uh, right now around especially title and ownership. Um, but uh, in my mind, uh, uh, although blockchain itself uh, uh, can be a tool that can, can uh, you know, help with that, 
you know, it's, 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 the problem is much bigger than that. Uh, when it comes to a country, uh, you know, there's so many uh, laws and, and uh, rules around uh, how things are stored. Um, and uh, 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 blockchain can uh, provide some, some aspect of being able to uh, uh, provide authenticity or verification when it comes to those documents. But blockchain itself cannot store those types of documents. Uh, you know, blockchain, uh, people are trying to think of, of use cases where blockchain is used as uh, some kind of uh, database that cannot be corrupted or manipulated by uh, fraudulent actors. But blockchain isn't actually good at that. Uh, uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's, uh, it has very few uh, uh, use cases in terms of storing information. Um, you, you can't really store a lot of information. You, you actually need to have a parallel system, like a traditional database, that stores information uh, like like a land title. So blockchain might have uh, some uh, might add some value in in, in terms of, of uh, uh, storing the titles uh, of ownership to property and that sort of thing, but it's not the full story. Uh, what needs to happen is um, if there is a country where a title is a problem and there are no uh, you know there's no registra, uh, registry that stores that information, you first have to solve that problem before you can now look at a blockchain and say, okay, now we want to be able to prove that the, the, the titles that are, are registered at that, uh, whoever's doing it, that they are not now going behind the scenes and changing information there. We'll use a blockchain to, to uh, prove the authenticity or the verification of that information. But we now need a system that can hold that information in the first place. So blockchain is not a, a, a solution in itself. It, it will be something that can complement uh, other, solu uh, other solutions, and those solutions are, can be used with traditional technology, like a database, for example. So, uh, blockchain is not going to come in and and suddenly solve all those problems. It needs to be a, a, a gradual process where, uh, the, if there's a government uh, or, uh, that is now managing uh, land, then they need to set up an organization that has title that is now uh, being hosted on some technology platform, and then. We can look at uh, now introducing blockchain as a side tool to provide some some aspect of authenticity. So I don't see uh, these companies that are using blockchain uh, to, just to they're coming in and suddenly now solving all these problems. It, it's the problems are much bigger than than that. Um, in fact, many of the use cases that blockchain is being applied to now they just don't make sense, especially when it comes to private consortiums trying to create a blockchain between themselves because the most important uh, aspect of a blockchain is, is, a, is, the, is the concept of decentralization. And many of these organizations that are now trying to use blockchain, they don't want decentralization. They want to now centralize uh, this technology and then be able to uh, work with it. And as soon as you decentralize a blockchain, what you've done is you've, you've kind of taken out the, the essence of what a blockchain is. Uh, now you might as well use existing technologies, existing networks, existing data stores. Um, and this is now what uh, these organizations who've been experimenting with blockchain are finding. That, And uh, most famously, it, uh, if you know of a consortium called R3, they set out specifically to con connect banks together and to try and see if blockchain can be used to efficiently um, uh, transact between them, uh, provide a, a platform that does that. And they've created something now that is not a blockchain uh, because uh, the, 
the decentralized nature of a blockchain cannot work within a, a private consortium of, of uh, people all trying to uh, uh, transact. So this is now uh, what, what Gartner hype cycle comes in. Now Gartner has put the blockchain onto their hype cycle. If you know the hype cycle, it, it starts off at a low base called the technology trigger. It then goes up high and up to what's called the peak of inflated expectations. And then there's a big crash into what's called the trough of disillusionment. And uh, eventually uh, we climb out of that hopefully as technology evolves and uh, we, we get onto the, the plateau of productivity. Now the internet went through that cycle. Um, back in 2000, there was a lot of hype around the internet, how it's going to change the world. A lot of investment went into companies who are trying to build te uh, soft, uh, solutions on the internet. But uh, we found that a lot of that was uh, maybe uh, much of it was ahead of its time or much of that couldn't be realized. And then we had the dot-com crash. Now Gartner has recognized that blockchain is going through the same thing where we have um, this hype cycle. And uh, they've placed blockchain at the peak of that uh, hype cycle. And uh, I'm seeing it now, being an insider, working with uh, these organizations, trying to figure out how to use blockchain, we are all coming to the, this conclusion that blockchain cannot work in the way that we expect, because we're trying to centralize a decentralized technology. And so the only thing that I have seen now that uh, uh, over, the, over the years of being involved in this is uh, and the only only use case that makes sense when it comes to blockchain is a decentralized currency. Um, so even though uh, the the promise is to solve a lot of problems in terms of, like, as you said, uh, you know the things that we have, like land registries and and even smart contracts. Smart contracts uh, are being hyped as this potential to uh, uh, make a lot of what the legal industry do uh, redundant. Now, uh, uh, again, uh, uh, the smart contract uh, term has been uh, abused. I don't think it, it, it should be called a contract. It's not a legal contract, that's for sure. It's just a, a piece of business logic, in a, a software business logic. It's not a, it's not a legal document at all. Um, those are the types of use cases. It, it could be because, you know, legal industry can play a role in making, ensuring that uh, those smart contracts are legal and enforceable. So it will come. At this point, yes. maybe they are not, but in the coming uh, months and years, probably they are all going to be legal contracts. Right. So now that's the hope. The hope is that we 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 can f eventually figure that out, and we can we can tame uh, all this, and we can we can understand it, and we can use it. But at the moment, a lot of what's being applied to blockchain, or, or at least the way blockchain is being applied. It is going to, I think, in the short term, short to medium term, prove to to not work it's not going to be successful and we, we have seen this now what we're doing but i'm not saying that that blockchain is is a complete bust i uh, remember it's a hype cycle and we we need to go through that trough of disillusionment and then on, eventually climb up that uh, slope of enlightenment to become you know where we finally figure out how the technology can be used but i just think much of what's being uh, how blockchain is being applied is 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 not going to prove uh, fruitful and a lot of that investment that billion dollars over a billion dollars of investment um much of it is going to uh, be not wasted because you know we'll, we'll have learned a lot. We will have developed skills and we will have a better understanding. But it's not going to produce the the sorts of solutions that we think. Now that being said, as I said to you before, I think uh, Bitcoin, the currency, is going to lead to a lot of disruption. I do think blockchain will lead to disruption and create new sorts of business models in the same way the internet did. You know, we didn't expect social media to be as big as it is today. You know, we didn't have no idea. Uh, nor did we think search uh, was going to be that big either. You know, Google was a surprise to all of us. 
this enormous company and just based on search. So um, I think blockchain will lead to very interesting, innovative uh, solutions down the line. But I think that a lot of it now uh, is not going to be proven fruitful. And again, going back to the decentralized currency, that is the one thing that we can look at and say, yes, that is going to, uh, that is adding value today and it solves a problem today. And um, although it's not scaling very well, you know, as the, just like the internet back in the early days in the 90s, it was slow. Um, you know, there wasn't much to do on the internet. Uh, uh, Bitcoin is slow today. The, the disadvantage that Bitcoin has is that um, with the internet, we had no expectations of what the internet was going to eventually deliver to us. Back in the 90s, you know, we weren't all expecting to stream movies and uh, have uh, WhatsApp on our phones. Um, but Bitcoin has come and said, I want to be a, an alternative to the financial system. So that means we all expect it to be hugely efficient. We expect there to be many thousands of transactions per second. We expect fees to be low. Uh, we expect it to be easy to use, uh, you know, so uh, everyone can use it. And it's just not like that right now. Uh, we need to have time for it to develop, for there to be apps and companies that make it easier for us to use. We need to be able to scale it slowly and surely. And in about 10 years' time, you know, it'll be like the internet. It will be extremely efficient, very easy to use. Everyone will be using it. And uh, we'll reach that, you know, that plateau of productivity. Absolutely. So, uh, those are my feelings around both aspects of, of the tech. Sure. No, I understand that. And that I, those are, you know, all the valid points that you made, and especially the decentralization, centralization debate. I mean, in some areas, see, this is uh, blockchain is going to be used for both public as well as private uses. So there are times, you know, a lot of banks are also trying out those models where they want to uh, try and see if they can have a centralized uh, uh, cryptocurrency model where uh, they can have some control because they're still trying to get some control over that. And uh, a lot of people don't want that. I mean, that they are looking for a decentralized model and a lot of silos, uh, you know, the parallel development of uh, many, many cryptocurrencies uh, are happening. You know, so many different cryptocurrencies are uh, emerging, you know, as we speak. And there are there is going to be a time of all these, you know, new ideas, new competition that is uh, taking all different approaches. But eventually, the, what the basic purpose of blockchain is collaboration and cooperation. And that would have to emerge, you know, if we want to have a successful global economic system that is based on blockchain, Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, and we, they, uh, nations will have to cooperate. They will have to come to terms uh, in collaborating, in making sure that all their efforts are going in the right direction so that the world not just you know at local level or national level but the world has a good solid you know trustable economic system and other systems i mean governance systems will likely change a management system uh, technology so many different things are you know, if i talk about just risk management that is likely going to be changing too and blockchain will be used as an infrastructure because it allows that kind of trackability and it it brings the trust so there are a lot of opportunities but one thing you know i was reading is that china has is a big player in the bitcoin space and they account for about 70 percent of bitcoin mining so if you look at the global economic picture is this a cause of concern that almost 70 percent of bitcoin mining is happening in china uh not really uh you know i think uh, uh we're looking at a global technology here and we know that 
uh, in the world, uh, what we have is uh, what's called, uh, I guess, a division of labor, where certain countries are, uh, are better at some things. If you think about China, they have a very strong manufacturing base. There's a lot of people. Um, it's uh, very cheap to manufacture goods there. And so we see a lot of manufacturing happening in, in places like China. If we look at Silicon Valley, there's a lot of um, uh, high-paid uh, technical people that are attracted to Silicon Valley, and that's a, a tech, tech hub. So it doesn't really concern me that uh, mining is happening in China, um, you know, it sort of makes sense, you know, if uh, energy is cheaper there and if uh, the cost of, of labor and equipment is cheaper, then of course you'll see some countries uh, doing some things better. Um, but it is a free market there and uh, not all those Chinese miners, um, they're not, they're not uh, uh, collaborating or, or, or um, working together to try and, and uh, or, or, you know, do, there's a lot of competition in, in China. So as long as we have a free market um, and as long as uh, uh, mining is competitive, then, uh, I, you know, I think it, uh, we'll, we'll, it's, not, it's not too much of a concern. Remember, the miners, even though uh, a lot of mining is happening there, the transaction processing is happening there, um, it's not, uh, you know, it doesn't impact how uh, Bitcoin works. You know, it doesn't, they, they cannot restrict you know, payments, uh, uh, essentially. I mean, they can at this stage choose transactions based on fees, um, and that's what they're, that they're motivated by. They're not really uh, motivated by where transactions are originating at, at this stage. It's just, you know, it's important for them to make as much money as possible. So I think given free market dynamics, um, uh, we will see uh, some countries specializing in, in certain aspects of this, um, and uh, so I'm not, I'm not too concerned uh, about mining. But I would like to just go back to your point about, um, you know, uh, the uh, central banks and creating their own uh, digital currencies, because uh, that is what a lot of banks are talking about. Uh, even our central bank here has uh, uh, said such things, um, that they are considering perhaps making a digital currency, because, you know, if a central bank can issue currency, that, that, that brings a lot of value and a lot of efficiencies. But you also said that uh, uh, you added the word trust in there. Now, uh, when it comes to uh, uh, money, I think what is being slow, uh, nowadays quickly eroded is people's uh, faith in a centrally issued a currency. Uh, as we uh, as we said earlier, you know, there's um, uh, a lot of problems uh, uh, when it comes to a centrally governed currency, uh, a lot of controls, um, uh, a bad monetary policy. And uh, I think that uh, people are losing faith and uh, that that trust is being eroded away. And so if a country, a central bank, were to start issuing a digital currency, I don't think uh, people would be that willing to uh, work with it, you know, unless they were, they were forced. You know, they, they want something that is, uh, uh, now that the, the, the kind of digital currency cat is out of the bag um, and they become more comfortable with it, they would much prefer a decentralized currency where there is no regulation and they can send money anywhere in the world without uh, anybody you know, telling them what to do or taking fees or anything like that. So we, you know, this really does represent uh, uh, not just a, a technology that works better because at the stage it doesn't, but uh, a shift in the kind of consciousness of, of, of human beings on this planet where we are, are slowly losing faith in the system. And remember, the, the system that we have today, uh, the fiat system, it itself is an experiment. It's not that old, it's only about 45 or so years old. And um, uh, if we think about the, the US dollar, in the and since the Federal Reserve was created in 1913, it has lost over 95% of its value. So um, 
uh, people are, are, are quite aware that uh, uh, the currency that we have, I mean, even if you think about uh, the kind of pocket money that you earned when you were a child, what would it get you today? Um, so, you know, there's going to be a, a societal shift uh, away from that sort of system. And if a central bank decides to issue their own type of currency, it, it's not going to be uh, necessarily successful. Um, you know, this is the, 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 the kind of shift that we're talking about. Uh, um, you know, we're talking about all this technology innovation, but it's also like a, uh, from a society's, you know, from our, our consciousness point of view, uh, uh, everyone having a feeling that the status quo doesn't work. And we look at things like Brexit and um, Donald Trump. You know, this is just uh, uh, plainly uh, people not preferring the option over the other, but rather wanting to move away from what exists. You know, it's not that Donald Trump was loved and appreciated by everybody. They just didn't want what they had uh, before. So this is what I think is the trend uh, that we, of, of how things are macroeconomically. People are, are going to be moving away from the status quo, trying to exit uh, uh, what they have. And we see it with a lot of the secession movements that are happening today. Yes, yes, technology is advancing so rapidly and so many uh, developments have happened that people have lost trust and they want to look for options where they can go and have some safety, security and stability because that's what everyone is looking for. And it, it, the blockchain, the Bitcoin is trying to give that the stability and security in the financial system so that people can uh, stay confident and stay secured in their desire of having some sort of financial security but it still has challenges I, I i feel that you know it's going to be regulated at some point and uh, there is no other way i mean the nations and governments are not going to give up control over regulating the financial system so they may move towards this could be another option of uh, uh, financial currency or you know cryptocurrency would be uh, viable and legible currency but it that it the regulation probably would come and developing if there's still so many uh, infrastructure challenges that needs to be solved because the block it's not like just developing cryptocurrency is enough because there needs to be parallel you know so many developments happening that could provide the uh, legal regulatory governance framework because uh, what if uh, it's not like it's not hackable uh, people can hack into this cryptocurrency it is not 100% secured so there are you know a lot of security challenges there are a lot of legal challenges regulatory challenges will come so there are all kinds of you know development development needs to stay you know take place to make this uh, system the emerging system sound stable and trackable and scalable so there are a lot of you know areas that needs to grow so from your perspective what kind of developments are going on in africa if you just talk about the uh, cryptocurrency bitcoin and any other cryptocurrencies are being developed currently uh, yes, I, I, I agree with everything you said about the challenges, of course, mm -hmm. and uh, of course regulators are going to want to move in and, and regulate something like this, especially as it gains traction, as more people move into it. Uh, right now, they're, they're treating it as a, an oddity, but uh, um, as the price goes up and more people start moving their, their money into it, yes, definitely, there will be an attempt to try and regulate it. But um, at the end of the day, it's, it's un it cannot be regulated. 
uh, and people will be able to transact with it. And also, uh, what it represents is us going back to a sound money system. So that's why it is so appealing, you know, this uh, idea of a, a non-inflationary currency. That's going back to a gold standard, essentially. But now, what are, what's happening in Africa in terms of development? Well, you know, um, uh, there are uh, some companies that are, are, are seeing the way the things the way I see them. Uh, we see uh, there's demand, and I get uh, uh, many uh, requests to build uh, Bitcoin exchanges uh, in in various countries like Mozambique and Zambia. Um, we do have some exchanges in South Africa. South Africa is quite uh, advanced uh, uh, in, in many respects when it comes to this this technology. There are a number of of little startups. Trying, trying this. We have a very large exchange here, but my company, um, I'm very proud of because uh, it's the one company that is trying to make Bitcoin accessible to people who don't have access to uh, uh, the internet, don't have access to and understand online exchanges. Uh, what we are, are creating is a, a prepaid card system where you can go into any retailer and you can hand over cash, receive a, a card uh, that you can redeem onto your your phone, so you don't need to have access to exchanges and bank accounts. Um, we also are providing uh, brick and mortar retailers with the ability to accept Bitcoin as payments. Um, and also uh, we are allowing people to uh, pay, uh, send uh, to directly to mobile money in the same way BitPesa is doing it in, in, in Central Africa. M-Pesa isn't very big in Southern Africa, so uh, we have different uh, sorts of mobile money, and so we, we are approaching it from that point of view. But we definitely see interest growing. Um, more and more people are, 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 are wanting to come into the Bitcoin economy. They, the, the Bitcoin obviously has a bad image. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of bad uh, stories around it, uh, and you talk about hacks. You know, Bitcoin's never been hacked, but certainly uh, custodians, people who, who hold... possible, possible to hack. It, yes. That's what I say. It's not certainly. hacked, but it's possible to hack. Yes, absolutely. Theoretically, uh, definitely, it, it has that possibility, and we hope that uh, that, that something like that never happens. Um, so, of course, it's not entirely trustworthy, you know. Uh, but I guess we are a digital world, and uh, you can never say never in the terms of uh, you know something that's digital. But anyway, we see um, a, a lot of interest uh, spiking uh, in sub-Saharan Africa, which is what I'm familiar with. Uh, obviously, Zimbabwe, uh, you go and speak to uh, Zimbabweans about Bitcoin, they are very eager to, to get on board. They want to get, they don't want their own money and they have the new Zimbabwe dollar that's being printed now called a bond note. Um, they, they don't want it. They, you know, they've been burnt once and, you know, they definitely don't want to be burnt again. So uh, uh, growth is, is, uh, is, uh, is, is, is growing and growing. Uh, people are becoming interested and uh, 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 I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for companies in Africa if they are focusing on the payment aspect, the Bitcoin aspect, making it easier for people to use. So it's a very exciting uh, continent to be on in terms of, of this uh, technology. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And like you said, the very idea of no central authority, as we see in the blockchain model of decentralization, the possibilities are limitless. There is so much that can be done. And when we look at innovations, that could help secure, you know, it could be customer client base or it could be digital identity or uh, unforgeable record of identity that includes so many different kinds of transactions. It could be supply chain, merchants, it could be, you know, one area that uh, comes to my mind is that in a lot of emerging economies, the academic credentials that also can be, uh, I have, at many times forged. I should not say heavily, but at many yes. times forged. Mm -hmm. So these, there are some emerging uh, 
applications that could prevent that. So every school, every college, every you know university, they can have these uh, blockchain-based academic uh, credential system where the classes attend or the teachers are taught what grades they got and what certifications they earned, what credits they earned, all that will be in that. So nobody will be able to change that or hack that. So that is the hope that you know it will bring some sort of trust and uh, transparency and credibility in the academic institution. So uh, there are some you know signs that at least one college in the United States has started using that. Uh, I'm not sure how widely prevalent this is in emerging economies. Have you seen that uh, happening in Africa? Yes, uh, uh, and, and in fact, that is a use case that I, I do believe in. I do think that uh, blockchain can provide a, a method to verify the authenticity of, of information, like uh, like uh, academic credentials. Um, and we do see that. There are, in fact, companies that I'm aware of uh, that I know here that are trying the exact same sort of thing. By what they do is uh, you create uh, what's called a, a fingerprint or a hash, that's the technical term, you take some information and then you you take a finger you get a fingerprint and you put it into a, a, a blockchain specifically Bitcoin blockchain uh, because right now Bitcoin is the most is the most secure one that exists and then they use that to be able to prove that the information on the on the on the certificate or whatever credentials uh, uh, is authentic and hasn't been defrauded so yes we we definitely see uh, those sorts of companies uh, coming up and that is in fact a use case I, I think is is worthwhile where blockchain can be used to, as a as a, a registry of uh, you know the ability to verify information. Um, again, uh, it needs a parallel system. You know, you need to be able to store that those that information somewhere. So uh, blockchain here becomes a complementary technology and not a, a, a full solution. Um, it certainly is uh, interesting, and I think in fact. That uh, uh, one day we will look back, uh, you know, we'll we'll see in every company that that publishes information or um, needs to prove that the information is uh, authentic will have some kind of blockchain solution. And if they don't, um, you know, it might even become a, regu a regu regulatory requirement to have a blockchain to be able to prove that your information is uh, authentic and, and verified. So I, I think that is definitely potential. Yes, definitely a lot of potential there, and as and also in the governments, we the voting system that could yes. be, be you know developed based on blockchain, and that would be not nobody, no politician, no political party would be able to uh, create any kind of fraud there. So that would provide a lot of trust in the elections of you know uh, how the public officials are getting elected. So that's where also there is another hope, and then uh, I mean content creators, collaborators. Uh, there are a lot of applications developing where musicians and uh, artists and everyone who is uh, developing things, uh, creating things independently, authors, they all can you know publish that through the blockchain and uh, nobody will be able to take away the credit. Like if we see right now on social media, a lot of people are putting their original pictures and by that uh, sometimes it gets any picture or any music gets so viral and it, it exchanges so many uh, different computers that you know at the end nobody knows that who actually was the original author or original photographer or original you know creator of this uh, content so the, all these things hopefully you know we will be able to prevent and change and maintain the ownership 
of you know whoever is the original uh, owner or creator of that particular uh, creation it could be art it could be music it could be any writing poem anything so there is a lot of hope there you know that individuals that are most of the times uh, the victims of you know people stealing uh, or you know bigger parties larger you know powerful people stealing away small people's uh, creations that will be prevented and there is a lot of hope that we'll be able to do that so at this point from your assessment what are the key applications developing in africa that you see feel that it's going to bring lot of promise of change in the positive direction well uh, uh, everything that we we think uh, will happen with with blockchain again uh, you know I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit more pessimistic um, uh, there's always a lot more factors that are at play here um, and also the use cases that you mentioned when it comes to uh, all that other stuff it, it all kind of boils down to uh, pay, payments and proving the authenticity of information uh, in particular if, if you're talking about uh, copyright for example it's what's called proof of existence you can take a document date it and then create that fingerprint so you know those are the, the two use cases that uh, uh, to me are, are, are the most relevant but again I always have to bring it down to the, the payment aspect that um, that to me is where we're going to see major Major change and major disruption and, and major enablement, uh, you know, uh, financial inclusion. And uh, I think if we if we if we don't uh, focus on that and we and we focus on all the other things, I think it's going to be many years before we start feeling an impact from that technology um, on those other things, like voting, for example, as well. Um, although voting definitely seems like a, a, a great you know use case for this. If, 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 Two candidates have an address, and everyone gets a token. They they can vote. That that certainly has an impact. But um, I always want to bring it down back to the payment aspect. In the short term, it, the payment from a, that that is going to create the the, the most um, benefit in in terms of Africa. And um, all the other stuff is speculative. It's uncertain, um, uh, and certainly years down the line. And also, uh, when it comes to technology. If we're thinking about the impact that it will have on people's lives, much of the the, the 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 kind of hope that blockchain is bringing isn't going to actually impact our lives um, in a direct way. You know, because most people don't really know what technology is running a system. You know, we're not we're not. Uh, you know, if if, um, if you go into the bank, for example, you don't know what kind of technology they're they're using. So if a bank decides to bring blockchain in, it's, it's not that people in the street are going to be impacted. In fact, um, if the bank manages to save money and become more efficient, it's not like they're going to pass those uh, benefits on to the customers. At least I, I'm pessimistic. I don't think so. So I think much of what is being developed now in blockchain isn't necessarily going to impact people's lives. It might just make existing business models a little bit more efficient or whatever it is. But the thing that will impact our lives and is going to touch us directly um, is the, the decentralized currency aspect and um, it's it's imminent uh, you know it, it, it could be in the next year or two years who knows where we have another financial crisis and faith is lost completely in the system and people then turn on mass into a, a currency like this I know a lot of people think that's silly you know that, that a, another financial crisis could be coming I think not I think it's very likely in the short term and so we're going to see people being desperate and requiring something else and for the first time in history now we have 
a, an option, an escape route. You know, we, 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 if the financial system collapses like it did in Zimbabwe and, and like it's doing in Venezuela, um, people who lived in those countries prior to this with Bitcoin being around had no, uh, no way out. Now they do. And uh, uh, this could very well not just impact our lives, you know, but also save many people's lives uh, in terms of their, their wealth. So that's where my, my um, you know, where I see short-term um, large impact uh, happening. The rest, uncertain. Absolutely, absolutely. I see your point there that it, payment technology, that means the cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, if it's not Bitcoin, at the end of you know few years journey whatever nations come up with you know whatever they agree on but the cryptocurrency will be at the heart of all these you know developments that are happening all across nations and if if, if we look at content creation to any other uh, you know blockchain uh, development that's happening at the heart is going to be the reward system that you know the financial benefit of whatever creation has been done has to go to the right person has to go to the creator so the payment technology is going to be at the center of all the developments that are happening across nations and um, there is a lot of hope there is a lot of promise for this uh, technology there is no doubt about that so what would you like to share with our global viewers and listeners as to what your organization banky moon's efforts are all about and if you would like to you know them to look at your website or if you would like to convey them where where should they you know look at for the more information right so um, uh, so bankymoon.com is essentially a, a blockchain consultancy we we do a lot of education uh, mostly you know consulting uh, we do some uh, pocs for banks but um, what I what I have uh, you know, after two years of being focused on this, um, my as you have now uh, heard from uh, all of everything I've been saying, uh, I've decided to shift away from that. Although I do still advise uh, governments and uh, uh, speak at uh, conferences and um, uh, you know just just try and, and help people understand blockchain, uh, you know, so so they can not just be um, mystified by it, so they can actually think about it in, in real practical terms. Um, so I, I do a lot of that, uh, 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 but uh, my focus now has uh, shifted to to developing Bitcoin as a payment system in Africa. Um, and so I have a, a new company called Centbee, which is now a, a Bitcoin-focused company, uh, providing all those um, uh, sort of uh, you know trying to trying to bring Bitcoin to uh, the, the, the bottom billion, as I like to call it, or even probably even the bottom two billion or three billion people who don't have access to uh, traditional financial services, um, uh, who who are in countries that aren't their home and they like to remit money back to their their homes at low cost. So um, that's that's my my focus at the moment. Um, but if anyone wants to contact me, they're welcome to contact me. Uh, my website is bankymoon.com and my email is laurian at bankymoon.com. And um, I'm always happy to uh, talk to people if they have questions, um, you know, and um, just to try and, and uh, again, uh, uh, demystify things and make sure that people aren't distracted by the hype that is blockchain. Um, you know, I've been going through this for many years now, and I, I think that uh, I have a lot of insight that can save people money uh, and time uh, you know knowing how what, what they should approach um, Great, wonderful. So, yeah. wonderful so thank you Lorian for participating in risk roundup today we appreciate your thoughtful insight on blockchain based applications for emerging e economies especially we talked a lot about the African region so that 
our global viewers and listeners would benefit tremendously from the information you provided on the ongoing blockchain transformation that is happening across Africa and all the other emerging economies. So even if a single individual or entity can come up with an idea to innovate using blockchain and bring the much needed transformation to their nations or to their regions based on the discussion we had today, this round of dialogue has been of service and we thank you for that. Welcome. Thank you. It was a pleasure talking to you. Wonderful. So blockchain seems to be a much needed digital infrastructure for socio-economic development across nations. While blockchains are causing a technology revolution across many emerging economies, including Africa, it is important to evaluate what else is necessary for the technology transformation to succeed. Risk Group Cybersecurity Risk Research Center and Strategic Security Risk Research Center are created for this very reason to identify, evaluate, and manage the risk-facing NGIOA in CGS, that means nations, its government industries, organizations, and academia in cyberspace, geospace, and space. We at Risk Group believe that risk management, security, and peace walk together hand in hand. Though security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict, risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict. It is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two. All three concepts feed into each other. We believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secure for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security. So if we build a culture of managing risk effectively, it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace. Let's manage the existing and emerging risk together. For more information on the Risk Roundups, to watch the Risk Roundup videos or hear the Risk Roundup podcast, please go to riskgroupllc.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayashree Pandya, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.